0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Dive In with Tom Brenneman. We thank our producer-engineer, Dave Armbruster. We thank the Believe Network for believing in the show, and Mike Reed for composing our music. Hope you enjoyed uh, part one last week with Bill Bavesey. Um, and and talking to him about, you know, growing up in the household, his dad, the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the L.A. Dodgers, making a move, all that kind of thing, his brother as well, and how he got started as a GM with the Angels and the Mariners. This week we're going to talk more about where baseball is on multiple levels. You know, maybe you have a kid that's a really good player, and you want him, you know, to get on the radar for college recruiting or maybe uh, for the Major League Baseball draft. And maybe you live in the middle of Iowa. And you're wondering, how does that happen? Well, he might have some information for you. We'll also talk about the future of the game itself. We'll talk pitch clock. We will talk about the runner at second base in extra innings that they're using at the major league level. We're going to talk about all kinds of different topics and where is baseball going? Where is the African-American athlete in baseball today? We're down to 6% of the major league baseball players are African-American. Almost 14% of our country, a little over 13%, is African-American. It used to be in baseball over 18 closer to 20%. That and more with Bill Bavesey coming up next. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details, or for the free conversation with a therapist, call 1-844-YES-CHNK. Continuing our conversation with Bill Bavese, Bill, I want to shift gears for a minute and ask you about the whole Olympic experience. I mean, the the things that you've done, whether it's farm director, player development, uh, head of the scouting, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, You know, the whole Olympic experience for you, and and you're the co-general manager of that group all the way back now in 2000 that won the gold medal. What was that experience like?
1: You know, it was, I was really fortunate to get to do that. So I, I, I did a lot of work as a, when, when I was a farm director and then involved in scouting, I, I did some work for Paul Seiler who runs USA baseball. And it was, it was part- was part of his steering committee and his selection committee for, you know, to put these te- teams together. And then, um, so the the qualifying team i think was the pan am team they, the the pan am team was was general managed by bob watson and pat gillick who reported to sandy alderson over the whole thing and the manager was buddy bell for the for the pan am games and the pitching coach i think was marcel Lashman. and and they qualified they that was a real tough tournament um and then I it was, it was after that I left Anaheim and Pat took the Seattle job and so Sandy Alderson called me and said hey you know I uh, Pat's not going to do this now um and and Sandy gave me the opportunity to take to take his his place uh on that on the, as as a co-GM with Bob Watson uh reporting to Sandy and I got I I took it but I had Taken a couple of jobs when I left the Angels, I, I kind of hung out my shingle as a consultant, I, and I I got a job doing some things for some teams in Japan and for three American uh, teams, um, MLB teams. So <clears throat> I told them, I can't, I can help you put the team together. I, I can help you put the staff together. I can do everything except go to the Olympics because I had prior commitments. I said, yeah, that's yeah, that's, no, that's no sweat. I just need somebody to help us put, put the team together. Great. Perfect. So uh, I did that. And had a large part in putting that team together, but Bob Watson was really good. He was, uh, you know, working, working. I, I I started off working with him, and then I decided, you know, what? I'm going to work for this guy. This guy's so good. You know, I really Bob Watson's so um, so underrated as as an executive. We none of us ever underrated him as a player, right? You know, we all saw him as great. Sure. You know, we knew what he was. But as an executive, way underrated. Uh, real good at simplifying every, everything. And I I can tell you there's at least a few players on that team that really performed for us. Like Mike Neal put a, you know, he, he won a game with a home Mm -hmm. home run and and those are guys that, that Bob just had a feel for, you know, he had a real good feel for them. Um, And um, so I was, I was just, I was just really impressed with him and and Sandy was so kind and so good about everything. Um, And that team really became a special team because they, we still have, have reunions. Now uh, we still, we, you know, we still, we still get together and, and that's not that common, but, but Paul Siler is the one who does that. He does a great job in keeping everybody together. Um, it was a real interesting team. Um, Tommy Lasorda was, was the manager and I really do believe that, that we played better because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we got more attention, that's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, but it was, it was just a great experience, and I'm, I will always be thankful to Bull and Sandy.
0: You are uh, an integral part of what is called Perfect Game. Explain in layman's terms what is Perfect Game?
1: Well, you know, I'm just, a, I'm actually just, just a consultant. So, Perfect Game uh, started, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, a long time ago, and it was started by a fellow named Jerry Ford. In Iowa, and Jerry just loved baseball. You know real, a longtime college baseball coach loved the game um, and wanted to start a program so that the kids in the Midwest that suffered through bad weather, and uh, I think they had their high school seasons uh, in the summer during and after the draft. So so they wouldn't, they just never got the exposure other kids got because scouts are are they're too busy cross-checking the end of a draft and then and then holding the draft and, and so so their their kids never got seen so he was trying to put something together where year round the best he could do he would he would put together programs for for those those kids in iowa and the, and the greater midwest to, to be seen and it just grew from there into uh, a great events package and so uh, Jerry, uh, being the smart guy he is, he, he, he started early on putting lists out and, um, and that got everybody's attention. So he would put the list of, of the top, the top players in Des Moines, you know, whatever, pick a spot. And, and all of a sudden people start paying, start paying attention to that. And they're just jazzed that they got on the list or they're angry that, that they didn't. And both is good for business, right? And, and Jerry got that. He understood, said that. And so he just, he just kept building it. He got a few people to go in with him and he built it from the ground up and it's become national. It's all over the place. Um, it's a huge, huge uh, program for, for travel baseball teams to play. And so what he's got, he's got two components to it. He's got the events that, you know, you see all, all over the country, a, per, a perfect game showcase, a perfect game tournament, um, and uh, then he's got the scouting side. They, he really loves scouting, and so they do scout everybody who's in their, tur- their tournaments, which are, are tens of thousands, and I will say that, that I was real skeptical uh, until about, I don't know, eight years ago when I really took a closer look at it when I was doing some things for ma- Major League Baseball, and you know the profile these kids get when they, when they go to a perfect game showcase – the profile they come away with, and when I say that, they, they, if you go online, which college coaches do, they go onto the Perfect Game website, and they'll pay, they'll pay whatever I, I'm not sure what programs they have for the, the college coaches, but they'll pay a certain subscription fee mm-hmm. to get to get all the scouting information on these kids. And so I, I will tell you that that Perfect Game and Prep Baseball Report, but especially Perfect Game to, today, is uh, is the holy grail for the college coaches. And so and and what I love about it is that you know, we always we pay attention to these power five schools and you know, all all the division one baseball, but the perfect game profiles are great for the kid who who has a chance to go play division two, division three, just just gets to continue playing baseball. And so these division three schools, these division two schools, these and NAI schools have this great resource resource in perfect game to go find out more about about players and so i i really started to appreciate perfect game at that time and then and then um towards the uh end of uh 2019 getting through COVID, and um uh needed to cut cut back and so i i kind of felt it was time for for me to leave so i took a uh an early retirement uh deal there and took off and and i just again like what after i left anaheim i hung up my shingle and um, a guy that I'd known for many years, an agent uh, in in the game, Rick Thurman. Uh, he and a business business partner uh, invested in Perfect Game, and he asked me to to help them get into the international market, which I had done a lot of with Major League Baseball, and I knew the, I knew the players in the international market, and so I could introduce Perfect Game to them. so Perfect Game now, you'll see them in the next few years you know, uh, branch out and and grow bigger into the international market, uh, Europe, uh, South Africa. Uh, I, I believe eventually chi- China, you know, we've got them with the right folks there. Perfect game, they, they actually had pretty good contacts in the international market to, to get started, but I have been able to help them a little, a little bit. And I do see, I do see that there is great value at the uh, with those with those showcases and the profiles. So that's a perfect game in a nutshell.
0: You and I have had uh, a number of conversations on our PBL Roundup show already about. Um, l- let's focus on American-born players for a minute, um, and especially the African-American player. Um, You know, much is made about African-American kids not playing baseball and the multitude or laundry list of reasons why they do or don't, uh, why they might choose another sport over baseball, on and on and on and on. Uh, Now, Major League Baseball has tried, you know, a number of these different academies all over the country. Uh, You were part of one that started uh, where where I am uh, living in Cincinnati. They do incredible work. For boys and girls playing baseball and softball, they do an even more incredible uh, and more noteworthy work of not only developing their skills as an athlete, but also their their academic skills and helping kids in underprivileged neighborhoods and all that kind of thing. As far as the return, though, on investment, uh, and I don't mean just dollars and cents, because look, you can't put a measure on helping a kid get through high school and giving them a chance to go to college, whether they're playing sports or not, but... What is baseball missing in this whole thing? Yeah. You, know, you have any thoughts on that or are they missing anything?
1: You know, I, I don't, um, I, first of all, I, this is a long answer, but the, fir- the first thing I want to say is that, that the, the man heading up, uh, the person heading up the project for major league baseball is Tony Regans, uh, former general general manager of the Anaheim angels. And he was, uh, he was, in the system when i was there we had we had hired him out of uh out of the marketing department so i know him real real well they have the right guy making the effort here i will tell you he is you know there's 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 two there were three people out there that i really thought should get a shot at being a gm and uh, again or or for the first time and that was kim ang Tony Regans and Neil Huntington. I really thought at the time, those are those are three folks that that I don't know what clubs were thinking when they when when they bypassed these folks, but they were. Um, but, but Tony is really talented. He's really good. and he's in this for the long, long play. And so they're pursuing the younger kids. and and he's he's been wildly successful with that, really done a good a good job. They've got way more kids playing at the real, real young level. Um, than ever 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 before in the inner cities and in 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 places where, where children that are disadvantaged get a chance to play because because of Tony and his programs um, so I love that now what where I think the the two wh- where where we have the biggest difficulty is at 12 years old when when generally speaking these kids go from from playing rec ball or little league baseball. Which is generally not expensive and just for fun. Now, if you get that child who's who's a pretty gifted athlete, a, pre, a pretty good athlete, and he wants to keep on playing. The way to do it is with travel ball. Unfortunately, that's that's what what we have. That's our our system right now. Is when if you want to get serious, you're playing club club baseball, travel baseball. You're paying for for extra extra instruction. Um, you're traveling more, the equipment in these bats now cost 300 bucks a pop. Um, Everything is is expensive in baseball at the higher level. And so I think that's where we, at at 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, we have too many multi-sport athletes that have to make a choice at far too young an age. Based on fun on finances. And so I think I think we have a problem there. And then I think our second problem is that <clears throat> These a lot of these parents are are They might they might work hard They're they're working hard, but they're not rich. It doesn't mean they're dumb though. They're smart And so they 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 will if they've got a kid who is a, a multi-sport athlete and he's he's getting older if you look at mom and dad both are big, strong, athletic folks. Well, you know where this kid this kid's going. He's going to be an athlete. And at some point, if they don't have the money, they're going to say, "Listen, honey, you know, honey, you know, keep your head head down. Try not to get get a concussion." But football has three hundred and ten schools with eighty five full rides, where baseball has three hundred and ten ten schools with with um, with eleven point seven scholarships for twenty five players. <clears throat> so it's it's you know you might have and those scholarships are split a lot so you know you might have somebody who's a gifted athlete but doesn't have the money be offered uh, a 75 percent ride to the to the university of miami but he can't afford and his family can't afford that 25 percent and he can't get the grants for it so it's uh it, you know i think there's those are the two spots where we have problems I personally want to, before I'm dead, try to start a, a travel uh, a travel ball scholarship program, or try to put something together where we can identify these these children that that were in danger of losing because they can't afford baseball. Now I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about the elite athletes. And I know it sounds like I'm talking about a real young kid, but in every community, the baseball rats know who the athletes are when they're 10, 11, 12, they, they know. And so if you can marshal those rats to find the right kids, and then you focus on the best, you're you're probably going to end up with some of those kids in the big leagues at some, at some point. And I don't, I'm not a proponent of, of, of anybody stopping playing another sport. If you're, if you're a great football player who also can play baseball, I think you got to keep playing football because that's how, you, how you're going to get your scholarship to college. But the better football player you are, uh, and this would be Bo, Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders or Brian Jordan or John Elway uh, or Smar, Smarja or, you know, a lot of the guys, If you, the better football player you are, more likely the college coach wants you, the college football coach wants you enough where he's going to say yes. When you say, you know what, I'll come play for you. If in the spring you let me walk to the baseball team. Mm-hmm. And if, if you have a chance to get Bo Jackson, what are you going to say? No. Right. Right. So what we want to do is keep that kid playing baseball. We don't want him to stop playing foot, football because um, I, th- I think we all believe that the best long-term athletic development program for, a, for an athlete, today is to play multiple sports. You know, I think we all, you know, most of us agree with that. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to end up with a, with a better baseball player. If you keep playing football, I'm going to end up with a better baseball player. If you keep playing basketball or I'm going to end up with a better baseball player, if you keep running track or playing soccer or, or whatever. But um, those are the two places I think that we have difficulties is the opportunities in college, but, my attitude is kind of like, yeah, let's take care of that when we can. Let's, let's get these, let's get these adolescents remaining on a baseball field when it starts to get expensive.
0: I want to hit you with a couple of topics quick before I let you go. And I appreciate all your time here. Uh, Rules that have been um, introduced or enacted to speed up the game. Good thing or bad thing. The extra, uh, extra inning runner at second base.
1: Well, you know, I, I like all these things at the minor league level. You know, in the Pioneer League, after nine innings, we go to a knockout round with – with uh, it's just it's just basically a home run derby. Um, I like that at the minor league level because we just don't have enough pitching to keep playing on into extra innings and on in and on in. And at the major league level, I have a little bit of a difficulty with that because I'm so old. I'm such an old school <laughs> You know, guy, that it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I'm okay with starting that that runner at second base, but you know what? I am starting to to realize that we can't. You know, are do we really want games going in in the eight eighteenth in, inning, or would we rather see some sort of resolution earlier? And so, I don't know that that starting the runner on second base is something I really love, but I also don't know that it ruins the history of the game. I really don't. And and, and I really, uh, um, I value the history of the game and the, stati- the statistics of, of the game. I don't think that ruins that. Um, I'm, I'm in favor. I'm very much in favor of a pitch clock. I'm, I'm very much in fa- favor of that. And I would make that real quick. And, and I would, I would make it a. It would be a, a real stiff pun punishment when you break that rule. Um, I just don't. I, I think if you if the pitch clock doesn't do anything to the history of the game, it doesn't hurt anything. I'm very much in fa- favor of that. Um, and and I believe it or not, I, I kind of like the the automatic balls and strikes idea. You'll still have an umpire behind the plate to kind of marshal the game. But we have the technology, you know, uh, to be able to call balls and strikes with, with a machine. And I like the idea that the strike zone on Wednesday is going to be the same as the strike zone on Thursday, on Friday. And I like the idea that this, that the strike zone <clears throat> late and tight is going to be the same as as it is in the first innings of of the game. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. There's a lot of these things I really do like. I do not. I'm not, I have not been talked into um, the outlawing of the shift, because I think that just encourages us to continue to sign non-athletes and uh, guys that, that, that have power and just can't adjust. And if you can't adjust and beat the shift, I don't, I'm not sure you're an athlete. You know, I think I'm not sure you're really an athlete. Um, Now that's, that's, My take on this, I've heard, um, I listened to Theo Epstein talk about it, and he's in favor of the shift. And his rationale was really, really good also. I really liked his rationale. So he's he's starting to talk me into it. And his rationale is that, look, if we outlaw the shift, you're actually going to have to go out and sign a shortstop. You're actually going to have to sign a shortstop that can play shortstop. Because he's because we're going to make him play shortstop, and you're going to have to leave him on the left side, and that second baseman, guess what? He's going to have to actually play second base too. So so you know I that's that's going to demand greater athleticism at those positions. So he's he's starting to talk me out of it. I but I think he's going to. The outlawing of the shift is going to demand that we have better, better athletes at short and second. And I'm not sure it's going to affect us beyond that. If we outlaw shifts, then I can have a bunch of hitters that just that that don't really have to adjust. They never really have to adjust anything. If I if I let teams shift, you know, then then we kind of need them to adjust to be you know beat the shift. So, I've got, I I I, the the shift is something I really are outlawing the shift. something i really did not like but theo's kind of starting to talk me into it you know when i listen to him he's got real good real good 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 rationale for it
0: all right last question i want to ask you and and i know this is a broad one but you know uh, for those of us who have been fortunate enough you talked it earlier about luck and good genes and you know thank god for all that no doubt about it uh but that have grown up in baseball i mean my dad made his living in baseball and provided for our family for 47 years Uh, I had a chance to broadcast baseball for 34 years and and was able to do things and go places and and bring my family to do things that that we otherwise never get a chance to do without baseball. But, Bill, i got to be honest with you. I I look at the game, and I feel like so many things are keeping me from continuing to love the game. Do you worry about the future of the sport?
1: Oh, yeah, I do. Um, But – I, I I worry about the future of the of the business, you know. The sport is really hard to the game is hard to screw up. It really it really and I personally think we have folks try it. But but I I I don't I I think the game is really hard to to screw up, but I I do I don't I'm not real um I'm not a a great fan of the stewardship at the mo- at the moment, but I, i'm and I'm not I really fight I really fight um, trying to uh, not be that that bitter old old man and that and and, and it's easy to get get that way um, and but i do I do you know complain a lot i don't I don't like the athlete that we're that we're pursuing right now and I, I don't think you, know, you brought it up earlier when we talk about the African-American in in baseball. Our numbers are down in like the six percent range, six seven six, seven percent. When I was a kid, it was eighteen percent. We had more our percentage of African Americans in baseball was greater than the percentage of African Americans we had in in america. and and I, I you know we're're we're, we're not competing with with basketball and football for the great black athlete in America. And if we don't have, our acts, if we don't have, if, if there's not a clear pathway for baseball to the great black athlete in America or the great black athlete in America to baseball, if that, if that pathway isn't clear, are we really a major league sport? That's, that's what, that's what concerns me right now is, is the athleticism in the game. You can't tell me it's the, it's the same as it was when, when, when we're talking about the sixties and seventies and eight, 80s and maybe even the nineties, but you know, we, we have too many one-dimensional athletes. And um, I, and I think I, you know, we, we've gone, we've, we've, we've seen players go to launch angle. We've seen uh, organizations mo- model players. Um, and we've seen, we've, you know, we saw a real smart GM or one of the best GMs of our time, take a team in, in Philadelphia and put the best club together he could. And, And none of us really, we questioned it a little bit in the off season, but none of us had the guts to question it a lot because the GM was so successful. He's so good, but he went out and he got the best, you know, he got the best that that was available to him and they don't play defense because that's, those are the kind of athletes he, he had access to. So I, I do believe that, that our you know, the, the, the analytics you see now in the draft analytics are far easier to use in the draft because we have one dimensional athletes. And they're they're easier to to to, uh, to measure. But when you had when you had had guys like Bo, like Dion, and you know when you had all those guys um, that were that were um, extreme extreme speed strength guys, not just speed strength guys, they were they were extreme. You had a lot. That you had to analyze, you, know, that, 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 that you you had to judge. You know, we have too many guys now where we say, well, can, you know, can you run that? He can't. He can't do that. But, you know, but he can yet. Yeah. Um, well, can he can he play defense? No, nah, he can't do that, but he can hit. Well, can he throw? No, nah, he can't do that, but he can hit. And and so we have we have we have a lot of that going on. And um, I and I look, I also look at at we. I just brought up launch, launch angle to you. Um, and you know, you, I'll ask you. Look, you know as much about this game as I, I do, and your dad knows about it, as much about this game as I, I do. But add, you know, ask yourselves. You know, you know, do you, how long would it have taken Bob Gibson to fit, to figure out launch angle? You know, you'd you'd have guys that all all the guys you'd know who practiced launch angle, because their backs would be filthy if they would be on the ground all the time. So I, I, you know, but it's taken us, it's taken us three years to fit, to figure that out. And we're just starting to now attack launch angles. So I, I, I don't, I don't get the, the lack of athleticism to be able to adjust. I mean, you, you know, you and I watched Joe, Joe Morgan Rod Peru and a bunch of guys like that adjust from pitch to pitch, not from, not from year yeah. year, to year, pitch yeah. to pitch. So I, I, you here. Listen, you're hearing me right now. I sound like that, like that bitter old man. I really am not. I don't want to be be that guy, but I do want. I do want my great athletes back. They used to make me stop when I'm walking through my house, and that athletic player is on second base. I'm going to stop because I want to see what this guy does. This guy's going to do some, something. Did did you ever walk through a room and not watch Bo Jackson hit right. or or not watch Deion Sa- Sanders if he was on base? You yeah. have to stop. You know, your your body just stops and you stare at the TV and you're not you know, you know, you're not moving until this guy's done. And I don't I don't see that.
0: Well, Billy, I can't thank you enough for all your time, your graciousness. This has been great stuff and uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, we'll catch up again sometime soon. All the best, my friend. You're the best, Tom. Thanks. All right. Bill Bavese, kind enough to join us these last couple of weeks. This has been great stuff. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it. We thank Dave Armbruster, our producer engineer, and we thank you for listening. We'll catch up with you again next week.